Today on Ag News Daily. So maybe we are getting back to more of a period that we would have seen prior to 2020, hinging very much on weather, which I think a lot of producers are not going to be so happy about because now all of a sudden the focus is all going to be back on who's the most efficient producer. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Ag News Daily podcast here on Thursday, February 15th. 2024. Delaney Howell flying solo this morning as Tanner is collecting a lot of great stuff at the World Ag Expo this week. So he and Corey Hillebo will be bringing us a special episode tomorrow from the show. But today, let's get to some of the latest breaking headlines in the news. As we take a look at weather to kick things off here, we thankfully did not get snow, although we were forecasted to last night here in central Iowa, but two heavy storms will be bringing some heavy rain and potential snow to much of the Corn Belt and High Plains. Two storm systems right now are heading through the Pacific Northwest, which will hit the middle of the country by the week's end. It is a fast-moving clipper-type storm, which will be bringing quite a bit of snow across the Great Lakes and into New England into the weekend. As we look at today's current winter weather mix, we're not seeing too much right now. It's really sitting right off the coast of Oregon and California, getting ready to make its way into the Midwest here today. We are seeing a pretty heavy winter weather advisory for portions of the Pacific Northwest and creeping into the Dakotas and northern Nebraska. Also seeing quite a bit of winter weather advisory in parts of Wisconsin and the thumb of Michigan into the very topmost part of the New England states as well. As we look at the main corn belts, middle of the country here, no real weather effects in as of right now, according to the National Weather Service, but do expect either potential snowfall or heavy rains heading into the weekend. But that is all I have for today as related to some weather. As we look at some other pieces of news here this morning, ethanol production has hit its highest production this year. Ethanol output jumped to the highest level this year, while inventories hit a three-week high according to the Energy Information Administration. Production in the seven days that ended on February 9th surged to an average of just over 1 million barrels per day. 1.083 million barrels per day to be exact. That's up point up from last week's 1.033 million barrels a week earlier and is the highest level since December of 2022. In the Midwest, we also saw output rose here, and that was the entirety of the weekly gains. However, at the East Coast, uh, they did not see any changes week to week. The Gulf Coast actually fell, so inventories really just were focused on pushing higher here in the Midwest. But as a whole, that helped push all inventories up higher. The Federal Reserve has issued a warning to farmers who might own Chinese manufactured drones. As we've seen drones become a primary form of adoption here across many farmers and ranchers, and a lot of data and spraying is now done through drones, the federal government has issued a warning saying they might not be as secure as what we think. There are thousands of drones now in use by various ag service providers, farmers, and ranchers nationwide, and these drones often carry a range of camera and radar-based sensors 
to help harvest a variety of information, including crop health, soil and field conditions, pest and weed management, and others. A lot of these drones are made in China, and the U.S. government officials have said they're concerned that American agriculture is unwittingly giving away vital, competitive, and national security information. They said they've been communicating their concerns with Chinese manufactured drones with critical infrastructure partners since about 2019. But as a lot of those drones are snapping up information, snapping photos and videos of lots of aerial views of farm ground, they said they're concerned that perhaps the Chinese, because a lot of these drones are manufactured by the Chinese, are potentially using that information to somehow store and harvest the data. And that could especially be true with the Chinese drone industry. Nothing has come out saying that that is the case, but that is certainly where the U.S. Department of Defense, the U.S. Department of Interior, the Federal Aviation Agency, and the Department of Homeland Security are all among federal agencies that are concerned with these drones and have actually banned the purchase and operation of drones from DJI and fellow Chinese commercial drone makers due to their potential for exploitation. Banning them, I should say, from the government using those, just as they banned TikTok on uh, quite a few, I think, congressmen and legislators' phones. So just something to be aware of there. thought that was an interesting headline to bring our uh, listeners here today. But moving along with some other news here, this is an interesting headline to kick off our morning as we look at the Batista brothers in the headlines once again. This time for nothing nefarious um, as of yet. But the Batista brothers have announced that they will be officially joining Pilgrim's board of directors. JBS USA announced that Wesley and Jose Batista are joining the Pilgrim's Pride board of directors after the nominating committee appointed the Batista brothers, who are extremely large shareholders in Pilgrim's Pride, to replace Wesley Batista and Joanita Maestra Karoleski. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that name there correctly, but nonetheless, they said they are welcoming the Batista brothers to the board and look forward to their continued contributions. Of course, we know they have been through many different uh, legal scandals, uh, including bankruptcy, embezzlement, bribing, and others, but apparently that is not affecting their ability to step onto the Pilgrim's Pride board. Iowa lawmakers are considering a new form of legislation to allow expanding grain sale protections. New legislation that advanced in the Iowa Senate on Wednesday would increase the size of farmer protection funds and expand the type of grain sales that are covered by it. Senate Bill 3174 would double the amount of money that is held in the state's grain indemnity fund, which reimburses farmers for their losses if they aren't paid by grain buyers, which we saw have happened here in the last few years. That fund typically has a balance between three to eight million dollars, but this latest bill would increase the minimum amount in that fund from anywhere to eight to 16 million dollars. It is similar to a bill that received preliminary approval in the Iowa House last month, but contains another provision that the House's version doesn't, which is protection for grain purchased with credit sale contracts in which payments to farmers are delayed. 
The fund has long covered about 90% of the losses suffered by farmers. It's about 300,000 per sale when grain buyers go bankrupt and haven't been able to pay. It's another extra provision for farmers to fall back on and feel a little more at ease that the grain they produce will in fact be covered regardless of what happens at the purchaser level. That bill is expected to largely remain um, unopposed and sail through both the House and the Senate as it makes its way to Governor Reynolds' desk. But we will keep an eye on that to see how that impacts Iowa grain farmers and probably others in suit as other states, I'm sure, will be watching how Iowa handles this to see if they should be upping theirs as well. U.S. lawmakers have asked the EPA to drop rulings that would require farmers to report manure emissions. U.S. Congress members from both sides of the aisle have been urging the EPA not to propose a rule that would require farms to report on air emissions from animal wastes. The EPA is soliciting public comment currently right now on whether or not it should revoke or amend a rule that former President Donald Trump allowed that exempts animal manure from environmental statute requirements and industry reporting of chemicals released for purposes of community information. Essentially, you have to disclose manure and hauling because of the chemical runoff and because of your neighbors in your local community. Environmental groups, of course, want the EPA to revoke that rule that would reinstate animal manure haulers would have to uh, file and report that to the EPA. And of course, ag groups are saying this is really difficult and it is a uh, very stringent measure for farmers and ranchers with livestock to continue to have to think about doing just one more piece there. Uh, le the letter that was sent here to the EPA was supported by TAP farm groups, including the American Farm Bureau Federation, National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and the National Pork Producers Council. So the Biden administration in 2021 said they would revise or rescind this 2019 rule as part of ongoing litigation brought forth by environmental groups. But right now, it doesn't seem that the White House has chosen to respond to this said letter. As we take a look at a couple of other factors here impacting the markets specifically, we saw wheat and corn futures lower overnight. Certainly, this should help give a little boost here to the corn markets, though, as Mexico has announced they will import between 14 and 16 million metric tons of yellow corn this year, according to their agriculture minister. After production in northern Chihuahua was severely affected by the drought last year, he said that they're going to need to import additional corn to help offset the country's southeast corn deficit in Chihuahua. As of February 1st, Mexico's total commitments to the U.S. stood at a record 15.8 million metric tons, including accumulated exports of nearly 8 million metric tons and outstanding sales of more than 7 million metric tons. So that should uh, potentially give the markets a little kick here in the pants. But as we look at wheat production, this also should help support markets here. As we know, we produce a lot of wheat worldwide. However, Oh, a lot of wheat and corn, I should say, worldwide. However, Ukrainian farmers said that they are intending to plant less corn and potentially less wheat this year. They are suggesting that we might see drops of 9 to 12% less corn acres because of higher input costs on corn that may be somewhat limiting 
as well as just the ongoing Ukrainian war efforts that have been continuing to impact farmers in the Black Sea region. Moscow reportedly has increased their grain export quota to 28 million metric tons through the end of June, which was up from their previous limit. And so wheat prices in Russia have been moving down in recent days, making it more attractive to countries in need of grain. So a lot of global flux here as we take a look at the grain markets here. But as we head into the opening session this morning, March corn is down a penny and a half at 4.22 and a quarter. March soybeans down three and a quarter cent at 11.67. Chicago wheat this morning on the board down nine and a half cents at 576. March hard ride winter wheat down 11 and three quarter cents at 576. And March spring wheat down five and a half cents at 657. Livestock here this morning will open on the board in the April live cattle contract at a buck 84. April feeder cattle will open this morning at 249.60 and April lean hogs at 84.52 and a half. To kick things over to today's conversation, we are chatting farm profitability and the outlook for 2024 with Scott Brown of the University of Missouri. Well, Tanner, you know, we've really been focused on talking about farm profitability here in 2024, and it's no surprise that this year is going to be a little bit of a tighter year for farm profitability. Here to help us discuss some of those factors impacting the bottom line in 2024 is Scott Brown, an ag economist with the University of Missouri. Scott, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Scott, before we dig into the factors impacting 2024, talk to us a little bit more about your background and the lens which you view the economy through. Yeah, so I've been at the University of Missouri for 35 years uh, doing ag markets. I've spent uh, much of my time working in in, uh, federal policy, uh, a little more livestock focused than than crop focused, but across the board and Midwest commodities. really trying to look forward and and what am I watching as uh, these ag markets unfold has been uh, much of what I've done over the past 35 years. So before we jump into what you think 2024 is going to look like, can we summarize what 23 and 22 did for the ag economy? Sure. I, you know, so I would always say you, you look back at, at 2023 and although we'll talk about U.S. farm income that was lower than 2022. I, I will remind us that 2022 of more than $180 billion that USDA just again recently uh, moved higher. Uh, I, I I think that it, it, 2023 was still a reasonable year. Now, it depends, uh, as I'm a good economist, on the commodities that you want to talk about. I think the dairy and pork sectors would uh, talk about 2023 as being very tough. The cattle industry uh, would say very, very good for the most part. Uh, I I would even say corn and soybeans uh, would tend to say it was an okay year as well. Uh, But it it does depend on which commodities we want to talk about when we summarize 2023. Well, you know, recently there have been a lot of articles and discussion just about the year ahead of us here with 2024. And I know you were quoted in quite a few of those articles looking at the Ag Economist's monthly monitor of 2024. There are quite a few different financial ranking sectors. Can you maybe give us the outlook for best case and worst case here for some of the commodities that you're watching? 
Yeah, so I think for me, it's easy to put the the beef cattle industry at the top of the list of positives in 2024. Uh, that's really driven what by what's been, I'll say, three years almost of of droughts in different parts of the country uh, that have been important to to cattle inventories. So we're really short on supplies. We're going to talk about back-to-back uh, -back years of lower beef production. Uh, we don't do that very often, so I'm not going to be surprised for us to talk about record cattle prices. Uh, you know, I, th I think on the crop side, we're going to talk about corn and soybean prices that continue to move lower as we go through 2024 if we have decent weather. Um, I, I sometimes say, you know, another 15, 5, 15, 6 billion bushel corn crop uh, in the bin this fall will certainly, I think, move corn prices lower. Soybeans a little bit more of a mixed bag as we got some demand uh, positives with uh, renewable diesel and, and other biofuels uh, demands that I think are helpful there. But I still think we could talk about soybean prices that decline if, uh, again, we get good uh, wet weather during the growing season. It's hard to not <laughs> say that that milk and hogs in particular will be higher in 2024 than 2023. I just will say it's still not going to be a great year for sectors like that. Yeah, so as we look overall as a mixed bag, it takes a very special producer to be diversified in all of those areas. Most of our listeners are going to feel the pain. But as we put it into perspective, is this back to normal? You know, using air quotes, are we back to standard levels? Uh, so I would say, I, I I think here's what we can say. 2022 in particular was abnormally good. Uh, that comes on top of what was a 2020 and 2021, where a, a lot of government payments trying to offset the impacts of COVID, I think also helped us. We are getting back to more of a period that we would have seen prior to 2020, hinging very much on weather which I think a lot of producers are not going to be so happy about given what they've been through the last few years. Because now all of a sudden the focus is all going to be back on who's the most efficient producer, how do I reduce, minimize cost, yet keep production or, or productivity uh, at reasonable levels. That's always not such a fun part of this conversation. Yeah, and as we look at some of those factors impacting profitability, what do you see as maybe being the biggest factor for, let's talk row crop, because I know beef cattle is very different and they have a much different story to tell. Oh, so so I, th I think we're going to hear in the short run, look at South America crops, what's going to happen in Brazil uh, at the end of the day. Uh, seems like there's a lot of, of in-country information suggesting a smaller uh corn crop in particular than where USDA seems to be right now. Um, what what does that crop ultimately end up like? I, I think that's a very short run here of, of really, frankly, both corn and soybeans. Seems like China's been uh, certainly focused on uh, trading with Brazil more than what's been happening here in the U.S. Um, I, I, I think the, the other side of this equation is just what happens to input costs generally for corn and soybean producers. Uh, looks like, you know, fertilizer prices will have come down when we look at uh, what 2024 is going to look like. Maybe uh, chemicals stay high, fuel lower. Um, it's it's different. I think the important thing to be saying here is things that we did last year or two years ago, we may need to be a little bit more nimble in terms of what we want to do 
this year to try to help us on the profitability side? I know there's a statistic out there about how many times a dollar that is earned in agriculture overturns itself in the general economy. I can't remember exactly what that figure is, but if we take a period of inflation for the standard cost of living and couple of that with decreasing farm incomes, what's the overall effect do you think the ag sector is going to have on the general economy? So it will definitely have some impact, um, maybe to the downside. I'm not sure that I would suggest that'll be a big impact. I mean, you you make a good point about just the churn that we get from a dollar generated at the farm level. Um, I, I just will say I think it may be tougher in could be tougher in farm country uh, than it is in the rest of the economy as we look ahead. If uh, the kind of supply adjustments that I think are coming uh, continue to happen the next couple of years. So we know this year, of course, the net farm income is going to be lower than it has been in years prior. What about the years post-2024? What's your outlook for 2025? Well, number one, I'll say my crystal ball is always cracked when I look out this far. <laughs> so you you can take it for what it's worth. Um, I, I, so I see a continued slide lower. Um as we look a little bit longer term, uh, at some point we'll turn cattle uh, prices over and they'll be lower. I'm not sure that happens until 2026 or so. I think corn and soybean prices without weather impacts will uh, continue to move lower uh, in 2025 and 2026. Not, not um, I, I don't know where the bottom is in those prices right now. I'm not so worried about big declines going forward, but continued declines. Um, and, and so I think when you look at farm income, it's going to keep sliding lower, uh, maybe not as low as we would have seen uh, 2016 through 2019, uh, but probably uh, closer to those levels than what it was in 2022. So as we wrap up our conversation today, is there anything key that you're seeing that our listeners would benefit from hearing before we close out? Um, I, so I guess I stay focused on, you know, what are some things that, that we should really be watching for, you know, things like disease outbreaks, weather events, trade uh, disruptions. We certainly have a number of things in the, the rest of the world, whether we want to talk Red Sea, whether we want to talk Russia, Ukraine, whether we want to talk China. Uh, you know, we, if, if the Chinese were to decide to put tariffs on our ag products, I think that's bad for us. So those are some of the big picture things that I think we need to be watching uh, as, as we look ahead. Fantastic, Scott. Well, thanks for joining us today. Certainly appreciate your time and your outlook for the year ahead. Thank you very much. Well, again, a big thank you there to Scott for joining us on the podcast and sharing some of his outlook here for 2024. We know it was going to be a tough year ahead, but I think it helps to break down some of those factors impacting the year ahead as far as profitability goes. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Tanner and Corey Hillebo will be joining us on the podcast tomorrow to bring us some special updates from the World Ag Expo. So be sure to tune in with us tomorrow. But until then, I'm going to let everyone go.